So we want your participation this afternoon. We would like to see some hands of husbands and wives that you can share what you have done this last week to cherish your spouse. And I want everybody to be thinking about the who's married. And we want you to list as many things as you can in your mind, but then we're going to we'll give you 30 seconds to do that, okay? You should come up with a nice list in 30 seconds. And then we're going to ask you to start sharing those things with us. Now, don't ask your wife, what did I do? Did, did I, I do, do anything? anything? <laughs> because that would typically be a blue question to a pink. <laughs> if you were here last night, did I do anything to cherish you, honey? <laughs> well, don't ask that question. And if you didn't do anything, it's okay because we can learn, right? Okay, so we wanted you to take about 30 seconds, husbands and wives. Just reflect over this past week. And yes, you can even add camp meeting in there. What you've done to cherish your spouse. I'm watching the clock. Time goes quick when your list is long. Time lasts a long time when your list is zero. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Jordan's got the roving mic, so he's ready for an, an ex- to stand expression. Up and- stand up and, and then express what you have done to cherish your spouse. Or you can say, this is what my spouse did to cherish me. Okay, go ahead. Stand up. Don't all are stand Are you standing there? Greg, are you standing? <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's on. It's much easier when you say, what has your husband done to cherish you? I've been sick for the last week. Okay. And so my husband has done everything. He's taking care of the children, and we have a baby. He's got, he got us ready for camp. He's been preparing the food. Um, t- today's about wow. the first day that I felt good, and he's prepared all the food. He's, he's, um, he's even, I think he even rubbed my feet. So uh, this? He's, he's done a really good job this week. And okay. he's not even probably, here. Where, where he's, is he? He's with the baby. The baby was taking a nap. So. Oh. Wow. Okay. He didn't want me to miss the baby. Well, you, you pl- please pass along this message from another husband to a husband, okay? <laughs> that is fantastic. Praise the Lord. That's great. Thank you for sharing that. <clears throat> Well, every month, my wife and I celebrate a monthly wedding anniversary. Just recently, we celebrated 226 months of marriage. Wow. Amen. That's, that's fun. Every month. Wow, that's but you, You're not going to tell us what you did to celebrate it. It's just you cherished each other. That's good. All right. Anybody else? Yes, Mike right here, Mike. Mike. Yeah, this, this past two weeks. Stand up. This past two weeks, I've been feeling under the weather myself. And uh, pressure coming on, getting ready for camp meeting, whether I'm going or not, you know, because of work. And uh, my wife was really good several times to massage me and make me feel comfortable and because I was just having some pain and things. And so it was very soothing to have, especially she's a nurse. And she has that touch. You know, I like that. Excellent. Okay, back in the back here. Now, this side, you've been weak the whole camp, so we're not letting you off the hook, because this is the last time we're calling on you guys, so I want to see some hands out here. Go ahead. Um, yesterday, my husband come in, and before he come in, he asked me if I needed anything. He said, just text it all to me. And I said, well, I need a pillow, I need my purse. He's like, all right, you need a pillow, your purse, and antiseptic. I said, why do I need antiseptic? I just told him I had cut my foot. 
So he had registered that I may need more than I asked for, so I thought that was kind of neat how he took it upon himself to register that I might need some antiseptic. Amen. Very good. Oh, we got a hand over here. We've got Kevin. somebody redeeming this half of the, of the group. <laughs> okay, Kevin. Thank you. Stan. Uh-oh. <laughs> okay. okay, all right. So Greg was standing. Okay. I, I thought I better say something. <laughs> no, but, um, you know, usually I take care of setting the sound up, and Jordan comes in and helps me and stuff. But Jordan was around, and my wife volunteered to help me set everything up for the camp and that was very special amen Amen. so she is cherishing you by helping you do the techie stuff that's great wow i'm impressed i'm glad you don't do pa (laughs) so am i (laughs) we had had a disaster happen to our house and carol volunteered to go and uh, find contractors and all kinds of people to help out to repair it and uh, while I was at work, she uh, called me up and told me that she loved me. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Oh, we're going to get a... Here we go. His and hers, same family. <laughs> That's nice. Well, I've been um, gone the last two weeks from our home in Fort Riley, you know, taking care of our house in Missouri the last two weeks. And I just I felt so loved and cherished by my husband. He called me every day and even called me more than once a day, you know, just to tell me what was going on with his work and, you know, just to have a listening ear. And then this past Wednesday, it was so special, it just brought tears to my eyes when he called me up and he uh, allowed me to join in on their morning prayer. He has a morning prayer with the soldiers at Fort Riley every Wednesday morning. And it was just so precious to hear those soldiers praying. Hmm. I know that I mean, their hearts were so sincere, and I know that God heard them, and he listens to them. And we need to be praying for these um, young people in the military, and um, I praise God, too, for putting us there to be his missionaries. Amen. Amen. Thank you. That's very sweet. The last wing. Oh, thank you very much. We've had a very busy summer. My husband's been gone a lot to work. Uh, sorry, we can't hear you. A little closer. We've had a very, my husband has had a very busy summer at work. But on his way to work, and at times throughout the day, he'll just call me to see how I'm doing. You know, sometimes I'm at home with the kids for 12 hours while he's gone, and that gets really long. But he calls me to check up and see how everybody's doing. And also, um, you know, if I'm ever not feeling well, he's always there for me. He has wonderful listening ear and lets me know that I'm important to him. Amen. Amen. Great cherishing. Okay. Unless there's somebody else that needs to, we'll go on. Here we go. Right here. Bucky. Busy summer, but we've had a terribly busy last few weeks. We are preparing to go to leave the country. And uh, my wife is in charge of all the packing up and things, and I do whatever's left over. But we've had some car trouble lately, and my wife took the time out from her schedule to come out and sit on a stool, or I don't know if exactly sit on a stool or sitting on something, as I worked in the car and was interested to what I was doing, and it just made the job a whole lot nicer. Amen. Very good. So we asked you to participate. Oh, was there one more? Right here in the, in the middle. Oh, sorry, right here. 
Vicky. Okay, Vicky will be our last, our last uh, volunteer. Volunteer for Cherish. <laughs> I just wanted to. Um, Wayne's been very affectionate and just spontaneously telling me that he loves me. He's glad that I'm his wife. And this morning I woke up and up he had, closer. There you go. This morning he had um, written a little love note on my pillow and left it there, telling me his commitment and love to me, and that meant a lot to me. Whoa. Amen. Now that's very great special. job, Wayne. Yes. <laughs> All right. Men love those words of affirmation. Right, men? And women love the notes on the pillows. So that's a win-win situation. <laughs> the point is, is to get... Sorry, we ran out of time. Uh, it's all right. We'll, we'll uh, keep... Go ahead. Okay. Everything that was shared here is something simple that doesn't take any money. It does take a little thought and a little effort, Right. A little time, but the little amounts of thought, effort, and time that were invested have big dividends, don't they? I mean, couldn't you? We could see the smile on the people's faces as they were sharing what their spouse had done for them or what they had done for their spouse. But the point was, when we first did this exercise in our family, and we we love each other, we cherish each other. But we recognize when we sat down, we gave ourselves a little bit longer period of time to write down the things. You know, we weren't scoring as high as we thought we would just because of how much love we have for each other. Because it's one thing to really love one another. It's another thing to express it through, through words and deeds that show that you really cherish treasure, hold dear that person. So this was a little exercise to uh, whet your appetite to not let it die here, but to continue. And now you've gotten a bunch of ideas that you can do with your spouse. Do you think we need to be cherishing one another? And I'm thankful to hear the the good examples here of, of some of the men, because we men generally, and these are general statements, we generally are not as observant (laughs) of those little things that we can do to cherish. And so with a little bit of commitment, like we're going to have here today, with a little bit of prayer, a little bit of specific prayer, God will give us ideas of how we can cherish. And it's interesting that that God, as big as he is and, and all that he is involved in, that, that God makes his word simple. And I want to share a verse here that's especially written for men and even more specifically for husbands, and it's in Ephesians five twenty-eight and 29, because it shows you how well God understands men even today. Not just when it was written clear back then, but today. He says there, Husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. There it is. And the women are going, what? God understands how men's minds operate. Okay? And that was a headline, if you're going off of the message last night with the blue and the pink. Okay? Men understand exactly what I just read. Husband... Love your wife as your own body. God is speaking in a headline here. There's nothing between the lines. Now women will start saying, what is that about? Okay? 
And then it goes on and it says, He who loves his wife loves himself, for no man ever hates his own flesh or his own body. But what does he do? It says he nourishes it and cherishes it. Who's speaking these words? Yes, God, through the Apostle Paul, is hitting the target right in the bullseye. And so here we, we've been married 33 years. And we're talking about this verse, and my wife is saying, well, what does that mean? (laughs) 33 years, and she has loved me with a wonderful love. But I knew exactly why she was asking that question. And I said, well, let me give you a very simple example. Because God said this so plainly to men, not to women. He didn't say, if he would have said this to women... Tell your husbands, he would have had to say it a lot differently. And then she could tell me what he wanted to say, but he's saying it to us. I said it's like this, you know, we used to walk down the street in Chicago during the Christmas holiday. And all the dazzling lights, and I did this for my wife because she loved to go window shopping with all the lights flashing and the the, the Christmas spirit and the, the little Salvation Army bells go ding, 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 ding. And she couldn't pass by one of those without putting money in them. And so we're walking along. And I said, the interesting thing is, I'll just tell you how this works. While you're window shopping at all these beautiful things in the windows, I'll tell you what men do. We're walking along looking at, how, how am I doing? We're looking at a reflection in the glass. You're looking at the stuff in the store. We're looking at, hey, how am I doing? Sucking in a little bit. Getting older. And she said, no. Men do that? 33 years. Never told her. <laughs> So here we are, Oklahoma, and she asks the men, so is this true? And and almost everybody raised their hand. So not everybody is going to, you know. Most of the men. The women were Right, the the women were just. As stunned as I was. (laughs) But God knew exactly what he meant when he said, if you want to know how to love your wife, just love her the way you cherish yourself. Love her the way you love your own body. Love her the way that you nurture yourself. Love her the way you look in the glass at the mirror to make sure that, you know, the midline spread is not hanging over the belt too far. Because that wouldn't be good. And I recognize, finally it dawned on me, you know, these, these big workout centers... And they have all the treadmills and the bikes and all the ellipticals and all these machines. And then they have the weight area. And if you've noticed, they are covered with glass. And it's 90% men in there doing the weights. And they are there. They are. Not glass. It's mirrors. 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 Thank you. (laughs) And they're, you know, they're just looking in the mirror and they're doing all this stuff, you know. Of course, they, they would to... tell you that they're looking in the mirror to do their form right, but that's only part of it. <laughs> and you see, women, women don't like to look at themselves, you know, I mean, in, in that way. You know what I'm saying? I don't. I mean, it's like, take the mirror away. I mean, yeah, take the mirror away. Let me just work out. I don't want to see everything that's not in the right proportion. So <laughs> anyway, it, it dawned on me that that's, 
I could, I could enter in then, having been in a few of those places. It's like, yeah, it's the, the women are just, they're just working with the weights. They're not paying any attention. But it's the men who are looking at themselves pumping the weights. So anyway, I did catch on. So, and I did trust you. I knew you were telling me the truth. Yes. I was just surprised. I didn't know. I actually <laughs> thought he was enjoying everything in the windows that I was enjoying. And I was. I mean, I was, I was looking in the windows. But I mean, this, yeah. I knew that I could use this example to be a very simple example that would be very visual. She's a very visual person. Mm-hmm. So if we wonder, men, we only have to look at, at asking God to transfer that energy because that energy, apart from Christ, is called the me focus. It's selfish. And it's everything revolves around my world. And if you fit into my world, then you make me happy keep doing it my way. And unfortunately, that's how our marriage started out. We didn't know it. I didn't know how selfish I was. I loved this girl. I really did. She loved me. I didn't know how selfish I was until this me and that me had to decide, which me shall we be? Your me or my me? (laughs) Well, we got to be my me because I'm the boss. Well, her me was her me for a long time too, right? Especially if you've been apart, had your own apartment, your own car, your own work. And now you bring two me's together and you can say, I do, at the altar. But how about cherishing when self wants to do it my way? And so God has been teaching us lots of things over the years. So we want to look at a couple of the areas that um, really damage relationships. Not to focus on the negative, but just to mention them because we've all fallen into these pits at some time or another. And um, we want to just look at that, and then we're going to look at ways that we can build our relationship through practical ways to cherish one another. The first one we want to talk about is the busyness of life. We all live in life, and it's a busy place to live, and it doesn't matter where you live or what you do. And, in fact, I heard that by several people out here. It was a very busy summer. It was a very busy last three weeks. It was a very, what? Busy. We live in a busy world, and that's not going to stop. So we have to be intentional not to let the pressures and busyness of life that we accept crowd out the most important parts of life, our relationship to God and our relationship in our marriage. Amen. We have to be purposeful. We have to be determined to guard time for one another. Otherwise, it will get crowded out. So this is nothing new. It's very simple, but we all need to pay attention. Are we adding more and more and more into our lives? Because if we're adding more in, something has to go disappear. And most always, what goes first is time with God and time with those who are nearest and dearest. And we're talking about in the context of marriage. Therefore, we, this, this busyness of life leads us to the second pitfall in marriage. We start taking each other for granted unintentionally. At least for us, it was unintentional. I think it is for most couples as we've talked with many, many couples over the years. It's not an intentional, oh, I'm going to take my wife for granted. I mean, she, she's a great cook. She takes care of the home. She's, all these things. So that just lets me do all the things. I, that's not how it usually works. Now, there's, there's an occasion where it can be that bad where it's just a terrible situation and selfishness is 
just right out there. But most of the time, we begin to take for granted because of the pressures and busyness of life, not intentionally. And we say things like this, well, I'm always with my wife. She'll understand. That is how we begin to take for granted. She'll understand that I have this busy schedule right now. It's only temporary. She'll understand that we can't have time to talk tonight. It's only temporary. We're always together. And then the sad thing is, is that we find out that under those circumstances, the time we're together, we're not together. We're not connected. And that is how taking each other for granted happens. And when we began to recognize what impact that was having, and that everybody else's priorities were becoming our priorities. Now think about this. You think about the things that you do, and think about who gets cut out often, as my wife said. It is time with God, time with each other, and if you have children, time with children. They all understand. God understands. My wife certainly understands. Got to make a, you know, got to take care of these things. My children, children will do that next week. Daddy's too busy. We've been through these things, and I just thank God that he helped us recognize where that leads us. Because if we run our lives, or shall I say, if we let our lives and our marriages be run like that, it runs out of control. It doesn't go away. One temporary leads to another temporary, and pretty soon it's a way of life, and people are hurting And there's separation, there's distance between. So watch out for those two areas. But we want to spend most of the time focusing on ways that we can cherish our relationship, treasure it, hold it dear. Don't let it separate by any means. In fact, look for every way we can to draw it closer. Because if you cherish something, you want to hold on to it tighter and tighter and tighter, don't you? You want to bring it closer and closer to you. So we want to look at some ways, and the first way we're going to talk about may not seem necessarily um, so obvious, but we, we want to make it very obvious, because we live in a, in a time in Earth's history when our adversary is doing double duty, because he knows time is short. He recognizes it more than we do. That's right. And he is looking for every way to divide and conquer mankind. And he does it on an individual basis, and he targets marriages and families. And we need to be aware of the way he has been successful through millenniums of time. And lest we think that we are uh, not... What's where I'm looking for? Not able to be tempted in that area, we need to to be aware. The first area we want to talk about to cherish our relationship is to help to guard and protect the heart of our spouse. Amen. And we want to talk about this in the context. The Lord says, I, the Lord, your God, at least if we profess that he is our God, I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God. Does God understand jealousy? He understands it in the truest, purest context. What he's saying to us is, I am jealous that you don't get deceived into an adulterous relationship with another God. 
or other gods. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. That's how God is looking at, I'm a jealous God. God is too big to be concerned with insecurities. God's only jealousy is that he doesn't want his bride to be taken off by a thousand different things that will take us away from our God. And so in the relationship between husband and wife, I have met many husbands who make a statement like this. Don't miss it, men. My wife is insecure. My wife is jealous. My wife is overprotective. My wife gets upset over, she doesn't want me looking at any other women. I mean, come on. What am I supposed to do, wear blinders? I don't wear blinders. But in Job it says, I made a covenant with mine eyes. Why should I look upon a maid? Job understood, through the inspiration of God, that this is an avenue. And when a wife says this, now, please don't misunderstand me. We've talked with all kinds of couples. And sometimes there is an insecurity relationship that has nothing to do with the man. Nothing to do with anything he's done. It was an abusive relationship back there with some relative or some church leader or whatever. But nonetheless, there's an insecurity. So there are those insecure things. But if that's the case, it's still okay for that wife to be guarding the heart of her husband. It's part of what a wife is committed to do. She is to be a crown. In Proverbs, it talks about the wife being a crown for her husband. That means that she should be able to help his mind stay where it needs to be and not be wandering where it shouldn't wander. And so if you're a man, because we understand, we had a great breakout session here. If you're a man that you understand what your wife is saying and it raises your defenses, don't view it that way because that will only make her feel more whatever she's feeling. But say, I understand. And I thank you for wanting to protect our marriage. And if you find yourself saying, I don't like it because the shoe fits and, and you don't want to wear it, you find yourself getting defensive, that's a call from God, not just from your wife. Okay? And if it feels controlling, well, we can have a conversation about that, but enter into your wife's perspective. Understand what she's trying to say. Women think like women, right? We are one, and we know how women operate, and so we are very quick to be sensitive and quick to see if there is some type of womanly behavior trying to attract your husband. And sometimes men don't get it. So listen to your wives because they are of like kind to the one who is trying to get your attention. Unless you think you are safe anywhere, we recently talked to someone. Their husband went out to the car after church to unlock the car and get it ready. His family was coming just a few moments after that, right out of church. He was met in the parking lot by a fellow church member of the opposite gender gender who said, Are you committed? That's all she said. He knew exactly what she meant. He wasn't drawn into, what do you mean by that? Because his wife was guarding 
cherishing that relationship. And she had given him the heads up, be careful. So, And he's thinking, no, I mean, she, she's not interested in me. When a wife has that intuition, you need to listen. Obviously, he ended the conversation. He got his wife. They took off. And I mean, that's kind of scary, isn't it? This is after, this is on the Holy Sabbath day, after a sacred church service. His wife isn't more than probably a minute or a minute and a half behind him. And the, there, it, there it is. The it's tempest. right there. Yeah. So we have a privilege in our marriages to cherish one another by protecting one another. Right. When my husband says something to me about a man, I listen. Took a while to get that across, I, but <laughs> yeah, it did. But I, because I don't think like a man. Obviously, I don't think like a man. No, honey, he the first time I said that to her, she said, "No, he wouldn't be interested in me." I said, "He's interested in you." No, he's not interested in me. I said, "Honey, are you going to listen to what I'm saying?" <laughs> It took a little bit of time to get her. Actually, you did better to, than I did. I yeah, mean, I, I responded better because. Not the first couple of times. But, but I know that. that she has intuitions that's beyond. It's, it's amazing. We had an experience <laughs> early in our marriage that really launched us into this aspect of cherishing one another. Yes. I, men are naive and men have a, a character, general character trait that is often ex, it's, it's, uh, explored or exhibited out there and not so well in the home. And it's called being noble. It's being honorable. It's being helpful to women. Night and so the, the night and shining, all that stuff. But somehow we lose it when the, uh, the honeymoon wears off it, in the marriage. But there's, you know, there's somebody out there. So this, this woman that we knew, family, friend, also used to be a high school cheerleader, just throwing that in, <laughs> calls me calls me on Saturday night. just happened that my wife is at the hospital working intensive care. We have a, a little toddler, two years old. Two and a half. Two and a half and years and old. six month old. And a six month old. Two little girls. She's at work and this lady calls me and she says, well, you know, my husband is gone and, you know, he's been gone for quite a while and I've got these drapes that, that I need to hang up. Would you come over and help me hang my drapes? Sure. Why not? And the women go. I'm thinking, well, of course. I mean, you help a lady in distress, right? She needs her. She needs her drapes hung. Yeah, I mean, their friends have been very good friends, and so the Lord always talks to us. Even when, this is back when I didn't understand really how the Lord talks to us, but I can remember thinking two things. One, I ought to check with my wife. Two, avoid the appearance of evil. Can you imagine that? I mean, I'm 27 years old and I had this thought. And I pushed both of them away. Why do I need to call my wife? She's, at, she's working in intensive care. I'm not going to bother her. I mean, I'm just going to go over and hang some drapes. That's how the mind works. And avoiding the appearance of evil, I've got two chaperones with me. I've got a two-and-a-half-year-old 
and I've got a six-month-old. They're going to be with me. Does that tell you that the Lord is speaking to my heart? Yes. And does that, that say Does that, that tell you how far a man will go, or anybody, to talk away a simple conviction? Now, prompting, maybe. A little prompting. Yeah, not that's, a conviction. Because there, there I had no thoughts of anything. But I can tell you that I did go over, I'm thankful I can tell you this, I did go over, hung the drapes, and left. So I hope you weren't thinking there was going to be something worse. But when I got home and my wife got home, I said, yeah, I went over and uh, helped our friend hang drapes. And you said... You did what? (laughs) And the way she said it, I knew it wasn't good. (laughs) Because she said it with a little more energy than that. Go ahead and say it the way you said it. I don't know if I can. (laughs) Okay. Anyway. It has to be the moment that it's real. Then it comes out real. (laughs) But I was totally taken back. It's like, He He said, well, she just wanted it done. I said, yes. She wanted it done, and I understand that. I understand her husband isn't here. But she knows I'm working. And she could have called, you know, tonight, and you could have said, yeah, my wife's working, and we'll come over in the morning and do it. Now, here's the sad thing is I never thought of that. <laughs> That's the viability of manhood. <laughs> I never thought of that. <laughs> it was a good idea. Yeah, it was a good idea. Anyway, we talked about that. This was early in our marriage. But this was a, a, a huge experience that really drew us tight in this area. Because I said... You had no ill intent, and I know my friend had no ill intent. But that doesn't stop the devil from having an ill intent, does it? Amen. Not one bit. Not one bit. And just so you know, we are still very dear friends today. This has never put a ripple in our friendship. But it did teach us an important lesson that we need to work together. We need to communicate. We need to guard the heart and the mind of our spouse. So men, when your wife gives you a caution, listen up. And ladies, when your husband gives you a caution, listen up. Don't say, oh, not really. How can you say that? You're just jealous. And that's often, like my husband said, that's often the, the defensiveness, defensive response a man has, you know, shares back. So let me fast forward now to two years ago. Because... We're learning, constantly learning and growing and changing and cherishing one another. So two years ago, I got a call from the upper British Columbia, way up, way up uh, north in B.C., Canada, to come and be a speaker at a regional camp meeting. Now, we have been together ministering as a family for over 20 years, and when our children were young and they grew up and they went their way and married and you know two of them are married we still continue to minister together at camp meetings and church meetings and things like this this is the first time I've been away speaking on my own in many years and so it's the night before I'm going to leave to go she's going to have some time with her mother and our daughters while I'm away a little mother grandmother daughter time I'm kneeling by my bed Our bed. Our bed, thank you. I'm kneeling on my side of the bed. And 
Well, I didn't want to give the wrong impression that, you know. I appreciate that. <laughs> he has his and I have mine. Boy, especially for the visual people out there. So, <laughs> well, that would be terrible. <laughs> I mean, the experience and the wrong representation both be terrible. So, one of the blessings that we have been doing for several years is we pray out loud at night together, and it's been, it's been a fantastic experience. You find out things about one another that you never knew when you really pray intimately together. So I'm praying out loud, and my wife's hearing me say, and Lord, you know, give me the grace as, as I'm away from my wife to be true to principle. Help me to be faithful to my wife and to the vows that I've made. And we get off our knees, and she says, what's going on? <laughs> It just blurts it out. And I said, well, I'm going to be going up there by myself tomorrow, and I want to be faithful. She said, well, is there something wrong? I mean, This is the pink and the blue, okay? <laughs> I'm just praying to be faithful. That's what the Bible says, you know? And, and I said, honey. Headliner, I'm reading between all the lines, you know, <laughs> Ooh, top to bottom. <laughs> and, and I said, you, you know, We've just gone through knowing of two men that we know personally who have lost their way and they've lost their influence in immorality. And I said, the thought that comes to my mind is let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. And I said, for me, forewarned is forearmed. I'm going to this meeting expecting the devil to try to get me when I'm away from you. That's forewarned. I'm going there with my defenses up. I want to go there with God, and I am preparing my mind for faithfulness. I'm expecting that some woman is going to come to me after one of my presentations about marriage or communication, because we talk practically like we are doing right now, and they're going to come to me and say something like this. Would you be able to talk to me about my relationship with my husband? It's really strained. And I'm going to say to her, I will be very happy to talk to you right in the middle of this auditorium. And she's going to say, well, it's kind of private. You know, could we just go off to... No. We will stay right here or we won't talk. Is that being too hard? No, not for me. Because we know we have an adversary that is smarter and more deceptive and knows every weakness of our character. I hate to tell you, but I know men, not just those two men that have fallen deeply but I know men who have started off with every good intention as a youth pastor, as associate pastor, as pastor. These are leadership people. I know lots of them that had nothing to do with leadership, but they end up having counseling sessions and they, they lose their way. And they lose their, they lose their marriage. Because they did not put in place protections. And so men... You may not find yourself in that position, but your wife may be praying for you that where you go on the internet, you're faithful. And where you go at work and what you do, you'll be faithful. 
we need to set a watch upon our eyes, upon our hearts, to be faithful men. And our wives can do a lot to help us in that regard. So you didn't finish the story. Well, see, I got carried away and I forgot. So, it happened. Just like I thought. Partway through the meetings, a woman comes up to me right after the message. And she says, can I meet with you? And I said, yeah, we can meet right right here. (laughs) I pointed to the chairs. (laughs) Well, it was one of my old classmates from Academy. But I didn't tell my wife all the details. (laughs) I have to admit, I had a little bit of fun with her, faithful fun, okay? (laughs) And so I told her the whole story. And I I can assure you that under the circumstances and uh, who my old classmate was, there was not a thread of temptation. I praise the Lord. We just looked at the old 1974 yearbook where we were both seniors at Cedar Lake Academy, and it was great. But I had you thinking you didn't have a little. He, yeah, yeah, he had I had fun with you, yeah. but not. I knew you didn't would be, have you I knew you would be good. Okay, thank you. <laughs> but wise, we need to pray for our husbands. That God will put, and pray for ourselves, that God will keep our thoughts, our eyes, our hearts pure to the marriage. Amen. And that's one way, and it's a very important way, that we can cherish a relationship God has given us. We want to add, a, we want to talk about a couple of more here. In the marriage relationship, it's important, and he kind of expressed it at the end of this, he just wanted to have a little fun. We need to have fun in our marriage, right? Warm your hands. Come on, everybody. We need to have fun in our marriage. Okay. Yes? Okay. <laughs> I like that. We're going to carry that on. That's, I thought you would be warm enough. We're quite warm it's up good, here. It's good, Jeff. <laughs> we shouldn't have to do that at this time of the day, right? But if we need to, we will. <laughs> maybe you don't have fun. Or maybe you have fun, but we like to have fun in our marriage. Just something to keep a little bit of spontaneity, a little bit of spark, a little bit of something out of the ordinary to do in our marriage. And he'll do things and I'll do things. And, well, I was going to say, usually my things come at odd times. Yes, and, they do. <laughs> it keeps it very lively. <laughs> it does. We travel a lot together. Well, we always travel together, actually. But anyway... Part of our traveling includes a lot of airports and escalators and undergrounds and things like that. And when we're going on a long overseas trip, I, I, we both have pull-behind, you know, briefcases. But on shorter trips, I just take a shoulder bag. And he has his roller bag that he takes because he carries all the heavy stuff in that. So anyway, we're in the Atlanta airport on our way somewhere. I don't remember where it is now. And we just come under the underground. And now we are on the, you know, in the underground. And we're on our way up. And it's two, two stories, one long escalator that goes two stories high to the other gate area where we're going to board our next flight. So oftentimes, because I really know I need exercise, I look for advantage, especially when we're traveling, because you do a lot of sitting. You're sitting on the plane, you're sitting in the waiting area, you're sitting, sitting, sitting. So I will often take the stairs if I have a shoulder bag. In fact, 95% of the time, I walk stairs instead of taking the ride. So I am walking up this flight of stairs. Actually, that one didn't have stairs. I was actually walking up the escalator because there was nobody ahead of me. I was thinking of... uh, Las Vegas or probably take the stairs. Anyway, nobody ahead of me, so I'm walking up the escalator. So I'm, you know, moving pretty fast. The escalator's going, I'm going. And I turn around and look, and he is way behind me. 
And that's when it hit me. I'm going to hide. <laughs> so I came up to the top of the, the landing, and it dumps right out into the food court. The, the little fast food restaurants, you know, right there in the center of the terminal where all the gates are on either side so everybody can get something to eat before they get on the next flight because they don't give any food but peanuts. Or sometimes not even peanuts. Or Biscoff cookies. Uh, Biscoff cookies if you're at Delta. <laughs> anyway, I got to the top I of the... I like Biscoff cookies. I know you do, honey. You have all the cookies you want to have. I even get them for you sometimes. <laughs> I'm a peanut girl. Anyway, he gives me the peanuts. I give him my cookies. So... We get there. I get up there, and he's way behind me, and I see this pillar there, this nice big round pillar, the perfect place to hide. I'm just going to go slip behind that, and when he comes up the top of the escalator and comes off, I'm always standing there waiting for him, and he's going to, I'm not going to be there. And I could just picture him kind of looking around, where is she, and, you know, and when he walks by, because the pillar was fairly close to where you come out, when he walks by, I'm going to go, boom, like that. <laughs> Sounds like a good plan, doesn't it? <laughs> the, the thing was wider than this. I mean, it, it was about this wide, but it had curves on it, you know. And so I've got a big shoulder bag hanging off my shoulder, and so I'm standing behind there, you know, and my heart is in tachycardia. It is <laughs> racing. And I peek around this way, and nobody take a few breaths, try to act, and then I peek around this side because I'm just, it has to be time perfect because I don't want it so he comes off and walks by and I don't even know he's there yet. So I am waiting for this moment for him to pop over the top and I could, you know, peek around and he won't see me and, and then I can scare him. And then before, all of a sudden, before he got to the, on the landing, I became aware of somebody's looking at me. <laughs> I was totally oblivious to the I'm not going to say hundreds but a packed area of people standing in line ordering who are now looking this way because they're waiting (laughs) people sitting at their tables like this with their food I was terrorist in the Atlanta airport (laughs) I was so embarrassed because I didn't I was I mean I should have known. We've been through the airport many times, and this is the food court, and I actually saw people, but it didn't, thank you, didn't dawn on me. I was so into my little, my little plan of having fun. I missed it. I missed the idea of where it was happening. So I, you know, kind of straighten up my shoulder bag and <laughs> step out. And then he comes over the, the, the top of the escalator. He didn't even know. I just, just thought I was really red. <laughs> He didn't even know what, what the problem was. And then the poor thing, he had to walk with me, and people are staring at us as we are walking away. <laughs> so the moral of that story is have fun, but pick, it, pick the, the place. I have not done another, I don't think I've done another airport since then. That was so, no. no. Even, even telling it, she, she has to. I get hot. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Keep some spontaneity in cherishing the one that's with you. Because when this happens, and we both do it, when it happens, it's, I'm thinking about you a little bit outside of the routine, okay? That was very outside of the routine. It was very outside of the routine. I was glad that, you know, that it didn't work out. She didn't get arrested. <laughs> I didn't go, boo. <laughs> nowadays, I mean, and that's a very serious note, nowadays it's, 
it's terrible what's happening to our freedoms in America, but that's only going to get worse. But we need to keep spontaneity and fun in our marriage. We need to be asking God what we can do to cherish the one by our side, not to pick at them. Make the habit of looking for the good qualities. Encourage the good. Strengthen and support where we can the areas that, that, that are weak. Build up and encourage, but really look for ways. Because if we ask, Jesus said, you know, you ask, you ask, you receive not because you ask not. Ask and you shall receive. Many times we don't think about praying really practical prayers. And I pray those prayers. Almost every day I pray prayers for God to help me to know how to really meet the needs of my wife, how to be perceptive to what I naturally am not aware of, what's going to go right over my head. And you know God answers those prayers, and my wife could tell you that. Mm -hmm. Looking for ways to cherish. So we've talked about guarding the heart of our spouse, right? Cherishing for wives to be that circle that encloses the crown around our husband's head. Crown of virtue. Crown of virtue. We've talked about having fun and spontaneity and something out of the ordinary to do to cherish one another. My husband's talked about the importance of prayer. And we don't really pray enough about our relationships. Would you agree with that? Because we, again, we live together. We love each other. We tend to take it for granted. But if we would begin to pray for the soul, the heart the mind of our spouse and ourselves with more earnestness and intention, I believe God would do greater things in our relationships than we've ever experienced. We would grow closer together because prayer is a powerful tool to knit and and bind our hearts together. There's one other thing I want to just say against more specifically to men, and it can sometimes affect women, but sometimes... Our wives would just like us to do the old things we did spontaneously when we were dating, courting, when we were in love. Okay? We were trying to win her heart. We're supposed to be in love now, right? (laughs) We're in love. But some of what God has had to teach us and teach me particularly, and some of the things I've learned the hard way, is that all the things I did when we were before marriage... Before the altar, I didn't need a script. I didn't need my buddies whispering in my ear. I didn't need to call my dad and say, what do I do? (laughs) I just did things with my wife because I love to be with her. I love to do things with her, to do things for her. She was on my mind. If we would go back and think about some of those things and cherish her in some of those, I mean, as simple as this. I put on cologne, I think, almost every day. I don't want to say every day because there might be, you know, a situation I don't. But I put on cologne almost every day for my wife. I know what she likes. And I like the response, okay? I'm not doing it because I like the response. Well, it's, it's great. I'm doing it because I know what she likes. And I want to be for her. I mean, one of the reasons that both of us exercise faithfully daily is because we want to live together for a long time. That's right. Is that fair? 
I want to be with this girl. And I want to take care of myself for her. And I want to do some of the things that I used to do just because we're in love. And it keeps the love alive. Yeah, it works both ways. And wives, we can do a lot to cherish our husbands by speaking with the tongue of kindness. You know, we look at uh, Proverbs 31 and we can read about how important this is. But really, ladies, wives, we really need to put that on a high priority. And really listen to how we speak to our husbands. The tone of voice, the words we use, even maybe recognizing the nonverbal, read ourselves. Talk to your husband in front of a mirror and see how you talk to him, right? Or maybe the thoughts, because one of the areas that my wife, if I can, can I add something? Yeah. One of the areas that my wife struggled with during the hardest part of our marriage and the early part of our marriage is that she would lay awake at night and think about things that I wasn't doing right and wake up in the morning and I was a monster. I mean, that, that's a little strong. But I mean, she had... But I woke up with an attitude. I mean, she, you woke she, up and I had an attitude. She woke... Yeah, when we woke up in the morning, it's like, what did I do? Well, her mind had been going on these things. And we've come to see over the last 20 plus years of ministry, that is, that is more of a woman thing. I don't know if it's a pink thing, but it's a woman thing to lay there and make... To make a script that is totally blown out of proportion over some disconnected events or lack of events that get pieced together. And basically the bottom line is the guy doesn't love me anymore. He doesn't care for me. He, ne- he never has cared for me. And pretty soon you wake up in the morning and your wife is, is upset. So that, that's an area that women, yeah, I think, can definitely guard have. their thoughts. That's right. Because that's, that's this one here, the thoughts. That's right. We cherish, we will cherish our spouse, wives, when we deal with our thoughts. And so the, when the Lord brought that to me, it became my habit every day to, when I wake up to start thinking positive things about him. She and lays her the, head on my chest. I do. And all the things I love about him and appreciate about him. And you know, by the time he wakes up, he is wonderful. And you know, a lot of those thoughts, and this is taking us right back to the beginning. When my wife started changing that, letting God have her thoughts, and she started... Literally, she would lay her head on my chest and she would pray and, and recite to God everything she could think of that she was thankful for in me, even with my faults. When I recognized that, she didn't tell me that for a while. And then one day she said to me, you know what I'm doing when I'm laying my head on your chest? I'm thanking God for the man that you are becoming. I'm thanking God for all the qualities I see in you. And I said, really? Oh, that makes me feel pretty good. And then it just started having such a powerful effect on me. My wife is not only laying her head on my chest, which I really like that in the morning. That's our cuddle time. <laughs> but my wife is thinking nice things. She's praying for me. She's, she's encouraging me. And you know what a man does, or at least what this man did? I want to raise the bar. I want to rise to the occasion. I want to be the man that God can make me and really cherish my wife. And I tell you, it's a win-win situation. So try it, wives. Let them do it, husbands. I'm sure most men would like that. So there's other things you can do. We just hit a few, but let's, we don't have a guarantee of tomorrow. None of us in this room have mm. a guarantee that we will wake up to see a new day tomorrow. I want to read that. Thank you for reminding me of that. 
Where is it? Right there. This was a text. Oh, go ahead. Finish your thought. So let's not wait and say, well, yeah, that's a good idea. Maybe, you know, things slow down. I'll, I'll put a little more energy into that. Let's start right away. Let's take and appreciate and respond today for the moments of time God has given us and not wait to, well, I'll, I'll say that tomorrow. Yeah, I didn't like right. the way he, he was not whatever today. I'll, I'll, I'll work on that tomorrow. Let's take those opportunities because we don't have any guarantee of tomorrow. And there are many that we know personally who have lost their spouse through death, an unplanned for, unsuspected, untimely death. And it's a very difficult time to go through when you lose the love of your life. But how much worse if the first thoughts that come to you is, oh, I had an attitude toward him yesterday. I wasn't very nice the way I spoke. I mean, that's an awful thing to have to live with. So let's make every day as precious as we can. Cherish every moment of time together so that we have no regrets should God have a different plan for our lives than what we have the expectation of. We, um, we were at one of the camp meetings earlier, and we shared this message, and a lady came up, and what was the, the word she said? The only thing I oh, regret. Yeah. My only regret, because we knew her very well, and we knew her husband, is that we didn't have more time together. She lost him two weeks after family camp. Very unexpectedly. That was her only regret. Her only regret is that she didn't have more time to have and to hold and to love her husband. That's the way it needs to be. And God has given her the strength to walk through that. And she's helping her young people walk through that. So let us not have any regrets. That's right. We got a text message at Christmas time from a dear friend of ours who lost his wife, not suddenly, but lost her nonetheless to, to the fight to cancer with cancer. And he texted us, he said, be sure to cherish each other more next year. And so we say to you today, let's be sure to cherish each other more tonight before we go to bed. Let's be sure to cherish each other more tomorrow because we have no guarantee. And God can give us simple ways to cherish this one that is dear to us. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.